Do you remember the last place you went out to eat? Like actually went out, sat inside, pretended to have to think about whether or not you wanted a cocktail before, of course, going with one of the pricey but pretty house specials. Your food delivered by a server. You compliment her on her lip gloss color. You dive into the spread of what you've overordered and tried to remember what's what. Thankful you're fortunate enough to be able to experience this on a weeknight. For me, that was at Chow Ban, a cool evening after a long Monday where the homestyle Thai food was exactly what the doctor ordered and the cocktail hit just right. At that point, the virus was here in the St. Louis area. We'd found out about our first case just a few days prior to this. While my reluctant dinner partner scrubbed down the table with a Clorox wipe and aggressively hand sanitized after touching each condiment, I remember looking around at the mostly empty restaurant and feeling conflicted. Not about the food, that was delicious, decidedly so, but about whether or not I should be there. Where was everyone else? Were they taking precautions that I wasn't? Was I putting myself at unnecessary risk? While this was still days before you'd start seeing restaurants moving to curbside-only service or municipalities ordering dining rooms closed, my hands were already raw from all the washing I'd been doing. I was already playing the floor as lava everywhere I went, except it wasn't just the floor. It was every surface, and instead of imaginary lava, it was a very real, deadly virus. I wanted to go out to eat that night for a break, an escape, an opportunity to take a pause from real life and indulge myself in the sights and sounds and tastes of the space specifically curated to give me a comfortable experience. Yet in this case, everything about that experience, being there, could be questionable. One of the nearby tables was occupied by a boisterous group of young people. They looked like grad school types. From more than six feet away, I could overhear them talking about how the media was blowing this all out of proportion, about how it's just like the flu. I probably took another sip of my fancy cocktail at this point in the story. I hate that. I mean, I'm the media, don't get me started on that. But even just as a person, I could kind of see their frustration. Was the restaurant mostly empty because people were being overly warned, overly cautious? Watching my dinner companion delicately sanitize a section of the menu before picking it up for review, I thought, look, we're doing this safely. Other people could too. Come out, support these restaurants, we must. I had no idea how long that dinner would have to sit with me. So much has changed since then. You know by now, restaurants, especially the small local ones, have been among the hardest hit in the pandemic and the economic shutdowns that have had to come with it. Well, now this second to last week of May, restaurant dining rooms are beginning to open again. So on this episode of Abby Eats St. Louis, we're going to take you inside. Kind of. So to be clear, it's still a five on your side policy not to do interviews indoors, but this is a podcast, so just close your eyes and imagine we were inside. We'll tell you about the differences you'll expect to see in newly opened dining rooms, why they've decided now is the time, and the rules you should follow if you plan to go out. Keith Kitsis is pretty proud of his cloth face mask. It's green with little bowls on it. It's bright and borderline adorable, blending perfectly with the uniform for crazy bowls and wraps. You know, you got to do something to be, you know, creative, right? During all this, they, they look, otherwise they look a little sinister. 
So, you know, we're just trying to lighten it up a little bit and be responsible. The president and co-founder of the fast casual chain was way ahead of the curve when it comes to food trends. When the first Crazy Bowls opened more than 20 years ago, focused on fresh and health conscious ingredients. Now he hopes the curve that we're talking about now, you know, with COVID-19, has flattened enough to make it safe for dine-in again. So Crazy Bowls locations opened their doors the moment they were allowed to. We're extremely excited to get open today and to have dining room business. Um, it just feels good to kind of get things back a little bit more normal. And, and when we're taking it kind of step by step and seeing how customers respond to it. He says things have gotten better since what he calls the darkest time, around when the stay-at-home orders first went out in mid-March. But he says to-go business has slowly gotten better. He's thankful they got funding to help them bridge the gap in business from the Paycheck Protection yes, Program. because we didn't have to lay anyone off. We kept all of our employee benefits. Um, so it's just good because I think that's the, it sounds very cliche, but it's, it's best business practices intersect with best moral and ethical practices. You keep the good staff in place. You keep our staff in place. That's really the business. It's not the recipes and all this other stuff. It's the people that go in there every day and open the stores and cook the food and serve our customers. So that PPP was a godsend. But for many places, reopening for dine-in is essential. Maybe to get their employees back to work. Maybe they weren't able to pivot to curbside or delivery. Maybe their layout is particularly conducive to placing people six feet apart. Or maybe they feel confident that they can do it right and they want to. That's where Keith says they stand. Along with masks on employee faces, customers will notice small things like automatic paper towel dispensers, hand sanitizing stations, a lot of time spent cleaning. It's the type of stuff that's become part of the new normal everywhere else in life. Might as well be here too, right? So you're cleaning surfaces more, and you, and you see that just about in every retail environment, every environment you're going to. Um, we're cleaning hard surfaces more frequently than we ever did. Um, we're working with the masks, we're working with these hand sanitizers. You're just trying to minimize that, you know, more hand washing, um, trying to minimize the transference of any diseases and germs and things like that. That's what we're trying to keep a handle on. It, there's no playbook for this, you know, so we're, we're following guidelines and then trying to use some common sense with it as well. He says he knows it will be slow and steady, but is thankful to be able to get the ball or bowl rolling again. You know, I think some locations people will be out more, other locations maybe not. We've been open at St. Charles for a couple of weeks, St. Charles County, a couple stores, and it's, you know, one store's been really busy at, at night. So people are practicing social distancing, the tables are labeled which ones to use and which ones not to use, so that you keep people away and try to keep the spread down and right, flatten the curve, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, while still trying to operate your business. The National Restaurant Association and the CDC issued their guidance for reopening in-person dining in a healthy, safe way. In some ways, it's up for individual owners and managers to determine how far they want to go with them. You going to order at the window or come in? Oh, we can come in? Yeah, I just need to get your temperature. Walking into the city coffee house and crepery in Clayton, you'll get your forehead scanned. 97.7, you're good. Thank you, sir. Well, you probably don't need a menu to order your coffee. He's a regular. You'll be asked to stand within clearly marked spaces six feet from the next customer. While not every place is going to give you a health evaluation on your way in, you shouldn't be surprised if it does happen.
The local requirements, though, include a limited capacity with guests kept six feet or a divider apart and surfaces regularly wiped down by mask wearing employees. Table settings, artistic reusable menus, condiments already in place. Yeah, those will be gone. While restaurants have had to take some big steps to welcome you back, remember, social distancing isn't over. The coronavirus isn't over. This pandemic isn't over. So please be conscious and considerate. It's hard to eat or drink with a mask on and impossible in most cases to remain six feet away from the person you're eating with. So it's still recommended you only go out to eat with your quarantine, the people you've been living with. Even with all of these changes in place, though, it's hard not to see the reopening of dining rooms as a bit of a return to normal. Cabin fever has been a really very real side effect of this pandemic, and getting out can be a sweet relief. Groups of friends sat socializing in the booths and on the patio of Caldi's in Des Moines the morning it opened for dine-in. They had closed all cafes back in March, then slowly opened for pickup. Now Des Moines, as well as Chesterfield and Kirkwood cafes, are all welcoming people back inside. Andrew McCaslin, who does a variety of jobs for Caldi's, so I'm just going to call him a coffee guru, says it felt good to see them. Though, he told me, as we chatted from a safe distance outside the shop, the decision to have them back didn't come lightly. Yeah, well, you know, it was a mixture of excitement to get back to serving the community uh, and at the same time, caution. So what we wanted to do was really take a look at our protocols and our, our processes that we use in our cafe. So implementing things that are going to make our guests feel safe and our team as well. Uh, so things like wearing gloves, always wearing face masks, obviously implementing the social distancing policy and making it easy for people to actually approach and follow that with you know stickers on the ground, signs posted, um, as well as a slew of other things that we put into place just to make sure everybody felt comfortable coming back in the cafe. But absolutely, we are excited to be serving people. We just wanted to make sure we were going about that the right way. It's been a couple of months since we've been able to see what we're seeing right now, which is people getting food and sitting down and eating together. Do you feel like there's a hunger for that right now, considering everything that we've collectively been through with all of this shutting down? Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely think there is, right? Um, part of going to the coffee shop or restaurants or going out, whether it's a special occasion or just part of your daily routine, you do want that, right? You want to get back to that familiarity. Um, and so I do think people are kind of itching to get back out to at least resume some type of social normal normalcy. I mean, unfortunately, there are still barriers in place to that and uh, precautions we need to follow, but I think being able to come and at least sit, even if you're six feet away from that next available person, does give you a little bit of that um, normalcy, helping you kind of get back to that routine a little bit. Uh, so absolutely, I mean, there has to be, especially with the quarantine and everybody having to shelter in place for so long, definitely has to be some hunger to get back out there um, and just see the city you live in again, right? A coffee shop is a place where people don't just, I mean, they can, they can use it in a variety of ways. Grab and go has been part of a coffee shop model for a long time, but also so has the exact opposite, which is grab your coffee, sit and linger for a really long time. I mean, how do you approach this new normal with, you know, being able to still be that place where people can hang out, I guess? Yeah, you know, um, 
That, you know, yeah, with coffee and even its history of coffee shops, right? Always being a place for people to, to commune, to discuss, hang out. Um, that is kind of going against the grain, right? A little bit of what a coffee shop uh, almost is meant to be. Uh, so for us with this new normal, you know, part of it is our team's approach and also just like the community that you're in and how they see things as well. So it's almost like this is collaboration from the people in the areas that we are serving, um, as well as how we kind of create or change the environment in our cafes to still make it welcoming and comfortable and a place for people to come and um, just get together, hopefully with close relatives, but at the same time be safe in doing it. Uh, so, you know, it's, it has been a little bit of a change for us because that cultural shift a little bit with what we want a coffee shop to be, but also what we kind of have to be for now. Um, so, you know, we do the best we can um, by creating environments for people to still come. Thinking though about the actual atmosphere, the big comfy seats and the kind of really close together uh, tables, and especially at this Demon location on a weekend morning, my goodness, you're looking around, you're looking around for an open seat and then sometimes you just wind up sliding right into one. I mean, how are you able to manage that? I noticed that there's still pillows in the seats and the windows and things like that. How are you able to make sure that you're doing this safely and cleanly? You know, so in all of our cafes and Demon is one of our smaller cafes. So for instance, if you came in, it used to be in the front, we had a lot of really close seating to try to just make as many spots for people to come in as possible. Um, but now we, we've kind of removed all of that and it's more just stand up with stickers on the ground for um, indicating how far six feet is. And in the back, we only have all of our tables marked um, in terms of the ones you can actually sit in to make sure that there is that distance between guests who do wanna come and sit down and dine in with us. And then if you go to our other cafes, it's the same thing. So in Kirkwood, it's a much bigger kind of front dining room area. Well, all of the tables are marked. So every other table you can sit in and then there's a table in between to provide that six feet of space. Again, to try to make uh, people as comfortable as possible that do wanna dine in with us. You're still doing curbside. You're still doing all of that here. Um, but why even open the dining room? Why did it get to the point where that's what you wanted to do? Is it business? Is it customer base? Is it combination? Well, it absolutely is a combination. Um, but before arriving at that point, there's a lot of conversation. So there was a lot of us taking a look at, you know, is it the right time? And if so, what do we need to be doing to make sure we are creating a space that is as safe as we possibly can be? Um, so there was a lot of that going on. And, you know, once you kind of came up with the policies and the procedures we wanted to put in place, as long as looking at what local and state officials are saying that we would need to be following, um, we did feel like, okay, if we can follow this and we can put these in place and execute on them, we could absolutely open. Um, and at the same time, you know, we do feel like people in the communities that we are a part of really were looking to have that coffee shop open again for them to come and, you know, grab that cup of coffee in the morning, but do, again, still being cautious about it. Um, and from a business, business perspective, I mean, absolutely, having Dinah does help a little bit, but I think we've been really happy with the curbside and pickup and takeout options as well. We want to keep these options to cater to everybody that wants to support Caldi's, right? Um, so if you feel comfortable supporting through curbside pickup, pick up, 
absolutely. We still want to provide those options. And then if you feel comfortable coming in and maybe having a seat for a little while, we want to be there for you um, in that respect as well. Just kind of meet you where you are. Absolutely. Yeah, Monday, you. May 18th is the day that St. Louis City and County restaurants were officially able to reopen for dine-in, a few weeks after those in surrounding counties. But that's not like a date by which all of a sudden going out to eat was safer. That's based on ordinances. So some places used the date as a soft opening. Others said, let's hold off a few days, see how it goes. Some spots, especially places where drink sales are king, are opting to make it work for the weekend, like Sasha's on Shaw, Wheelhouse Downtown, Schlafly, including, by the way, the brand new Bankside location in St. Charles. But some places say they're not ready to even circle a date on the calendar yet. Lots of places are going to keep curbside, carryout, delivery their only option. So that's to say, one, check ahead before you hop in the car and drive to your favorite spot. Don't assume it's open for dine-in. And two, some restaurant owners aren't fully ready to reopen their dining rooms again. Some for health reasons. They don't want to be responsible for putting customers or staff at higher risk while the virus is still very much out there. Others say it doesn't make economic sense. Why go to the trouble of reopening and implementing all the new safety protocols to do so if you can't have a full restaurant? Or if you don't think people will want to come inside. One of the best things you can do for your belly during quarantine, this is a professional opinion here, has been order curbside from Salt and Smoke. Trust me, there's no shame in their takeout game. The food is cooked and presented wonderfully, and the process of ordering feels safe and seamless. Owner Tom Schmidt says their locations, in the Central West End, on The Loop, on Hampton, and in St. Charles, are going to continue with that model only for now. Uh, our plan right now is um, to to kind of develop our plan internally and then to uh, kind of absorb what is going on around the country in terms of the best practices and how this rolls out so we don't get caught in a situation where we have a full dining room and we don't have the tools or the plan to handle it appropriately, right? So I don't, I don't want to just kind of jump in before we know um, kind of all the different things that can go right or wrong in that scenario. So we're, we're going to give it some time to think it through and, and observe what really happens everywhere else. He also says in talking to customers, they don't seem to want him to reopen dining rooms. So people are asking, but the, the overwhelming, I mean, by far the, the majority of people asking are just really happy to know that we're not opening up the dining rooms right now. Um, and, you know, we've heard a lot from people that are really concerned about ordering carryout from restaurants that do have their dining rooms open because there's an inherent uh, extra risk in that with more people and, and more uh, chance for contamination. Not that I'm trying to, you know, make anybody afraid or, or saying that people shouldn't be opening up their dining rooms. Um, I really think it's up to each restaurant to determine what their level of risk is. You know, we're, we're also very fortunate that barbecue translates to carryout and delivery extremely well. And we've been so, you know, just wonderfully supported during these last eight or nine weeks that we're in a spot where, you know, we can continue in this model for a while without having to change. And that isn't the same for every business. And I'm, you know, I don't want to admonish anybody for doing what they feel is the right, the right thing for them at this point. Tom also says he's talked to most of the 100 employees they've been able to keep on across locations, and they feel more comfortable doing things this way. Of course, they'd normally have 300 workers, make it 400 in the summertime, and more than 500 once they're able to open the Ballpark Village location. But restarting dine-in doesn't mean they'd be able to bring that whole staff back anyway. They wouldn't be making any money.
to reopen our dining rooms, we'd uh, bring another 80 to 100 people back to work, which, which is great. But then when you're talking about 50 people per store and almost 25 working per shift with the reduced amount of occupancy that we're allowed, what are we really talking about? Bringing 15 to 20 people into each restaurant at a time and needing to bring on 10 people to manage that um, per shift. You know, it's just a, the economics of it do not work out um, until we can really do this in a full scale um, or at least much more than 25% or 50% of our dining room. Um, so yeah, on top of all those other reasons, it just doesn't financially make sense to do it. I'm going to admit this to you right now in the interest of full disclosure. As of this recording, so about 4 o'clock on May 20th, I'm not ready for it. Things could change, but that's where I am now. Producer Dory says she feels the same way. That's not to say we don't trust restaurants or don't believe they're trying to do everything they can to keep up with the safety regulations. But when you've spent months seeing the floor as lava, it's hard to scrub that image out of your head. Plus, real talk, if I'm going to spend 30 minutes inside anywhere as guidance begins to loosen, I'd rather be in the foyer of my grandma's house than inside a restaurant dining room. And this is the first time I've ever had food prepared by nationally recognized chefs served up in my kitchen, on my plates, in my home. And I'm not quite over how cool that can actually feel sometimes. It is a personal decision. And as long as our way of handling this new normal doesn't jeopardize the wellness of others, we need to be respectful of everyone's decisions, diners and restaurants. Maybe we can shut down streets to car traffic and have a scattering of tables al fresco. That would be nice. Maybe we'll see more restaurants and food trucks doing pop-ups in parks and neighborhoods. I don't know what it'll look like. But I do know our restaurant community needs your continued support in whatever way you feel most comfortable if we're really all going to get through this together. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Abby Eats St. Louis is a Five in Your Side podcast production. I'm Abby Larico. Dory Olmos is executive producer. Special thanks on this episode to Sarah Maki. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and leave us a review to let us know why. We're also back on Instagram this week at Abby Eats St. Louis. Check the episode notes for helpful links like a running list of places where the dining rooms are back open and tag us in your socially distanced Memorial Day weekend barbecue pictures and seize the plate. <laughs>